all things early career recruitment, the strategies to help you succeed. We'll help you work with Generation Z with all the information that you'll need. It's the Jack and Ollie Show. Hello and welcome to the Early Careers Podcast with myself, Ollie. And me, Jack. Today, we are going to be talking about virtual onboarding, a very topical um, approach at the moment, given everything that is going on in the world. Hot topic. We have a special hot topic, indeed. Uh, We've got a special guest. Uh, Her name is Lindsay Rowe. She is Chief of Staff at SAP, uh, where you've been for five years. Lindsay, hello. How are you? Hey, yeah, really good. Great Great to be on. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. So you are about to virtually onboard. 60 placement students. Wowza. Uh, wow. <laughs> um, well, firstly, well done for doing that. Um, how, uh, how are you doing it? Um, yeah, so we are, so we're um, two weeks away from it. Um, definitely mm. been in lockdown. I might have a few more grey hairs than before, <laughs> I will admit. Um, I mean, the fact that you said well done there um, is really nice to hear. I think we know that a number of employers haven't been able to do this. Um, we were fortunate in some respects that we already had our offers out. So we've been working with Rate My Placement quite a while as part of it. And we'd already done our assessment centres just before lockdown. And so we'd identified those interns that would join us. And um, so the fact that we were able to carry on with it, it's been massive for us. Mm. Yeah, it's lovely to hear because there's lots of companies, that, like you said earlier, some aren't able to, to commit to their, their their interns or their placement students or they're finding it hard to or they're unsure how it's going to work even how their business works you know, is, is it possible to actually bring uh, onboard people through a virtual environment so that's why I think it would be great to have this discussion today to, to showcase um, how you're doing it so others can follow in your footsteps whether they're onboarding uh, over the summer or delaying some of their schemes until September and may still have to to take um, bits from you in terms of what, what you're learning. So, yeah, for the listeners, we're going to be chatting today about, uh, I guess, how this has all come about, um, the different uh, processes you've gone through, your considerations through the pre-boarding stage, and then going through this onboarding that you're, you're currently doing. Um, so then have maybe some top tips for everyone else to take away. One thing you mentioned there, Ollie, about the, um, you know, lots of people um, uh, cancelling, say, their internship programs you know more specifically over the summer one thing i've noticed now actually is some people have uh almost well basically changed their minds they first of all were like basically we can't do this and now they're thinking about actually maybe we've seen quite a few people are already doing it maybe we can actually do it just a little bit later do it in july or in august or even in september and that might be the case with you know people who are running placement programs who've decided to potentially pause them once they hear what other people are doing to think about actually bringing them forward or, or, or actually continuing with it when they were thinking about not. Yeah, yeah. The, the vast majority of companies we're speaking to that are still committing to, to bringing students on, if it's uh, an internship over the summer, which is eight to 12 weeks, they've either tried to shorten it and try to delay the start to give them a bit more time. Um, Firstly, to assess what, you know, how they can do it if they are going to do it virtually. Um, and also, in terms of the content of the whole internship, it's, it's a bit easier if it's a bit shorter because <laughs> it's going be, to be a lot harder to, to, to give the, the, the usual experience in the same way they could. So I think 
plenty of companies are still committing to students, but just doing it over a short period of time. And certainly from a placement perspective, um, a lot of those would start over the summer. Mm. Well, the majority we're hearing, they're just delaying the start um, to September. So they hopefully restrictions will be uh, more relaxed by then. Uh, and actually, they can start doing it potentially more blended. So there might be some stuff they can do virtually and uh, actually then start to start meeting the students face to face and give them that you know, as much of a, a 12 month experience as they possibly can. But uh, just starting it a little later. So, yeah, I think from our perspective, um, it was quite interesting to to just even start the process of what this might look like. So I guess we're fortunate in the fact that we're a technology company. So being able to go into a virtual environment um, for us as employees was was relatively um, easy and, and, and pain free. We've got the technology, all of the, you know, what um, Microsoft Teams and Zooms and all of the other pieces and the, and the laptops to enable that. And we already had our current placement students with us so we had to immediately transition them so we learned what, what that looked like so that helped us in what what an onboarding might look like um, but you know absolutely there was a moment for us all to think about should we should we continue in the exact same way should it be the, the full 13 months should we try and delay it maybe till September um, and actually you know the way we run it at SAP are uh, quite unique in, in some respects. We run our program as, as a steering committee. So myself and four others look at how do we how do we even assess and um, acquire those interns? So how do we look at it from a talent perspective? But then all the through to how will we onboard them? And during their 13 months, as much as they'll work with their individual teams across all of the divisions, how do we ensure that we onboard them with the softer skills and the business skills and all of those sorts of things. So that committee, you know, when we got together, understood some of our global policies around this sort of thing. So we've got a global program for internships. Once we knew there was a real appetite to continue, it was just a case of then just going to have to make this happen. And that's pretty yeah. much how we've worked to the steering committee before. And if anything, it just forces you to just get on with it. Um, so lots of ideas and thoughts we've had in the past of, hey, wouldn't it be really cool if we tried this or did that? It actually has just accelerated it for us. Right. So um, as much as the team, we've got two individuals really driving the onboarding piece for us, um, just like superheroes really looking at it. But it just forced all those ideas we'd once had to happen. Who's um, the, team? Who's the um, steering committee made up of? Is it... Um is it is it other people from in HR or is it people from particular business units? Um, yeah, so it's, it's interesting actually. So again, you probably noticed that many of the employers, it's just a classic HR or talent function yeah. when when looking at undergraduates and graduates. Um, for SAP, we take on our interns into say all different business divisions, and um, we've probably had interns now for about ten years actually. Mm-hmm. When I joined SAP five years ago as, as Ollie said um, I was technically onboarded by an intern um, so yeah. there's loads of things I learned about the business and he was for me a fundamental part of me you know joining and, and, and learning about our business so I started to work with more and more interns as part of it mm-hmm. and then you start to find out other people in the business that are just super into young talent and and how we develop them so the steering committee um, actually doesn't fall as part of a classic HR function. So as myself, um, I actually, my 
you know, core role, I look at all of the sales and operational aspects of, of SAP in my my um, core role. Mm-hmm. But then um, I've, we've got Simon who heads up our pre-sales team. Our pre-sales team is a very large team with a lot of early talent that go through our academies. And over the years, he's really seen that actually this is a great time. We actually call it the 13-month interview when you go on placement with SAP. It allows him to develop those individuals and knowing that when they graduate, they'll be the perfect talent for him or for our partner network. So he's very passionate about the topic. We, I guess, just one day started talking about it more and more and and started to formalise this this sort of committee, really. Um, But clearly, there is an aspect that you need to have an understanding of talent and talent acquisition. So Catherine is on the team. I think you um, guys met her. Um, She comes from a pure talent perspective. So she, um, over the years, she's worked in tech for a long time, Microsoft and Salesforce as well. So she really understands the the real principles that you need when when trying to acquire the right talent, how you do the right assessment centres. But she also supports us with understanding our own internal processes on that. So that was kind of the core committee for us wow. uh, go over the last two years. And that's the and the, the committee essentially <clears throat> makes all the key decisions and um, pushes the direction of, of the programme. And you've kind of put together this um, a team that's really made up of um, various, it's like a multidisciplinary team. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And so we support the managers. So the hiring manager takes the responsibility for the intern, sets out their job role and all of those things. And we provide almost like, um, I'll come on to some of the areas that we cover, but like a, a support layer, not just the interns, but the managers as well. Because mm. onboarding a, a, an intern or a placement student is it different. It's different to how you manage other staff. You've got a rapid time of developing that individual. And so we kind of give them some, you know, support around that. And again, those softer skills, the transition into the workplace, the mental well-being stuff, we put that on as a, a program layer. And in the last year, we also brought in two um, early talent members to the steering committee to enable us to understand, make it a little bit more relatable for the students because these two individuals and again they're the ones leading the onboarding program for us they've been interns themselves they've got graduate roles in the last sort of you know few years so they're a little bit closer to it than some of the rest of the committee so we wanted that understanding of we might be really passionate and come up with cool ideas or what we appear to think is a good idea but they've really felt it and experienced it you know myself I haven't been through university, so I don't know what that felt like having to get a placement and graduate role. So for them, they add that extra colour to to the committee, and it's it's worked perfectly in the last year. Sounds cool because it kind of like covers all the different stakeholders, doesn't it? Line managers, you know, the, the business is represented, people have been through the programme. So you kind of get all these different perspectives, and it seems like it's a relatively small group, so it probably makes, it, I guess, decision-making pretty pretty fast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and also, you know, um, we're, we're really like-minded, but you need some other people with other perspectives. Mm. Um, you know, I'll just come up with loads of ideas and be like, yeah, let's just do it all. But I also equally need people to go, actually, have you considered the following things? And having those people around you just, just makes it enjoyable to work with, really. Mm-hmm. So that setup seemed to work really well when you were making this decision. Um, it sounded like that the decision to actually you know, go ahead with your placement scheme, onboard students virtually was actually a very fast decision that you were all very much on board with it and, you know, how much you've 
you've grown the scheme there and how much you invest in early talent, it seemed like that was uh, almost a, an easy decision. It's just then how you go about doing that was probably causing more of the headaches. So, uh, so talk us a bit through the, um, the actual pre-boarding in terms of how you, you know, figured out how, how, how it was actually going to work practically. How, how did that actually work? Yeah, so once we knew we were were proceeding, um, at the start of it, we worked on the basis that we probably need to have in the back, you know, uh, a physical onboarding and a virtual onboarding. So for the first few weeks of it, as we were waiting for government guidance and SAP guidance, it's like, are we even going to be back in the offices? But we felt if you create a virtual one, it's much easier to then turn that into physical than, than the other way around. So uh, we started to think about what do those first few weeks look like when we do it physically? What could convert into virtual? But equally, uh, we then started to think about our pre-boarding more because normally what we would do around May time, have a welcome day, everyone comes into the offices, everyone gets to meet each other, all of that sort of thing. How are we going to replicate that? Equally, that's usually the time that they start building their social bonds and they start to think about living together and all of these types of things, which, again, there's uncertainty around how how people will do that. So it got us really thinking about, you know, again, we use things like um, uh, Zoom calls to allow us to actually get them to meet each other. So we decided that actually we couldn't recreate that whole day. It's quite exhausting to do things online for, for a whole day. Mm. So we've actually broken the pre-boarding in, into sections. So we had the kind of welcome just to give them a, hey, here's the steering committee. This is, how, this is what it's going to look like. Answer some of those questions that are making them sort of nervous about, about starting. Um, and then we've broken it into what we call accelerator calls. So every fortnight now until they join, they will have calls that just talks about SAP as a company, you know, what we actually do. Because as much as they would have done some research and gone through our assessment centers, it's still trying to figure out what do they do. We know they're a big tech company and yeah. all of those things. But for us to educate them before they join of the sort of thing you probably, you know, I don't know, tell your grandma, like, where are you going to yeah. go? What are you going to do? <laughs> It's so, lesson, isn't it? Just yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> um, once people know, it, they like know forever what SAP do because yeah. it's much more in that B two B space. Um, so we work on the basis of describing it as like a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. If you imagine all of the things that go into making that happen, whether it's the supply chain of the coffee bean or the tea bag, all the way through to I don't know your your local water supplier getting that water into your kettle, that whole end to end process is likely to touch an SAP system through its life cycle because of the, the breadth and the size of our customers. So, um, again, we want to focus them on understanding who they're joining um, and really get them excited for the next 13 months, whilst also being able to reassure them on, you know, a lot of the questions, you know, what, what's the dress code if I was in the office? What's the dress code if I was at home? And those sorts of questions. And we want them to feel that they can ask those those questions that you feel like you can't ask a company. So we oh. try and make it as open as possible, um, personal calls to individuals where, where it's needed. So that pre-boarding talks about the logistics because that's the other part. Um, so, that, we just, yeah. so just on the bit where we've got to so far then, so um, you kind of looked at what you had and you decided to continue doing it. But the key thing that you did was you actually broke that down 
um, to be kind of stretched over a longer period of time so it was less intense and then it mm-hmm. was people to manage with that um, that onboarding process. Yeah, breaking it down for us was, was key really um, and also it allowed them to keep people engaged ahead of joining rather than we'd normally do this big day in May and then nothing and then they join in July yeah. and we'd always talk about there's probably some stuff we should be doing from a comms perspective in between that time anyway. And again, this scenario forced us into thinking about it a bit more. And do you think that's something you might continue in a, even if it, people, even if it wasn't a virtual onboarding process, do you think you might stretch the onboarding process, uh, the pre-onboarding process in the future? Yeah, 100%. I think this is going to probably change um, our thoughts on loads of things. It may even change how we consider assessment centres and everything else going forward and even how we deliver some of our training because the size, you know, we've got 60 students coming in. Um, when, when you look at that, you often think, have we got a room big enough to train them on these things? And all of the things that we saw as barriers in the office, we've just got rid of because you're going, well, actually, it's super easy and get 60 people on a call to deliver these these enablements we can do that similarly when we're back in the offices as well so actually it's it's sort of taken a lot of the i guess we felt we had some barriers that truly aren't really there mm. were there any um practical things that you had to consider that maybe weren't as obvious as they would have been if it was face to face yeah loads um <laughs> right <laughs> and again i guess um the fact that we've got a team to be able to look at it really helps. And I'm sure, you know, we've got two weeks till they join. I, I don't doubt on the day before they join, something will come up where we will jump on a on a chat to go, we didn't think this through, right? Yeah. I'm hoping it's nothing of obviously a big nature, but the logistics and tech is probably the biggest one. So normally, again, in that physical environment, we would um, be able to give them access to their laptops. We then transition so the way SAP works we have a one month handover period from one into to the next so uh, that's why we do a 13 month program so they mm. could onboard and educate the individual on the role um, and normally they would then just swap out the equipment so they might have a loan laptop during that time so in this environment that's that's not possible in the same way so then you're suddenly thinking about and again you know SAP had to think about this for all of our new starters but new starters don't all, you don't have 60 in one day like you would for other parts of the business. So we kind of leverage some of the processes that were already in place, like IT will need that person's address, they'll need to understand where they're located. Now, when you start to think about that, the address they may have put through for their placement is going to be different to where they're staying because of being in isolation. Oh, so they might right. be at uni, I guess, as well. Yeah, because some have stayed at uni, um, some people have gone to parents or friends, some people have gone back because we have lots of international students that, that come on placement with us. So it's us trying to figure out, okay, where are all of those individuals going to be? How we actually do yeah. um, source and budget for, for those things? Um, so we, we use a few technology pieces of technology, as you can imagine, being SAP to actually kind of capture that data as quickly as possible and then as I say Jazz who's part of the steering committee has been the one it, it's like a matrix you know in the film when you look at all of the data of how you map it across um, but that was probably the biggest consideration is yeah. that but then you've got other practicalities so whenever you're joining a company you, you're going to go through your ID checks your name badges right, yeah. 
checks. Um, so again, we've had to come up with process to doing that virtually um, to make sure that it's secure and confidential and also very individual as well as um, part of that. So we're lucky in some respects. If you look at them joining on the 1st of July, there's three days in that week. So we've d- dedicated that to just making sure everyone's HR and IT ready, that we've done all of the those bits and then we start the uh, real onboarding the following week so we can feel confident that they've got access to some people will use their own personal laptop for that first month some of them will have equipment shared with them but we just want them to feel comfortable and ready that they've got their virtual badge I guess we know that they're who they say they are from a passport perspective and they're ready online for the Monday morning to start their role. Did you have to, or have you created some tech of your own in order to do that part of the ID checks and stuff? Um, yeah, so uh, the way that we've looked at it, um, to make sure that it's, so we use Microsoft Teams um, within SAP, as a lot of employers do, um, and there's functionality around being able to do like one-to-one calls with those individuals. So it, yeah. it just allows us to, um, our HR team will then be able to get on the call and do the, the virtual piece. It sort of reminds me, I don't know if you've opened like a Monzo or a Revolut or something like that account. Yeah. It's the way things are going for ID checks anyway. Um, the other things that we've utilized as part of the onboarding from a tech perspective is we have a collaboration um, platform on, of SAP's technology, which is allowing us to share this content. Because as much as we've produced pre-boarding, some people have got exams on the dates and times that we'll do that. So we've made sure we've recorded it and it's all available for them on this platform. And they can then upload anything that we need um, ahead of time or as part of that platform. That platform will then, from a pre-boarding perspective, it will morph into then the onboarding content. So that's what be like their community hub throughout their time where they get to hear about events, training, socials all of those sorts of things so it's uh the way the platform works it allows it to evolve so they right now just see the relevant stuff on pre-boarding awesome right. you can yeah, white label really- it and resell it to everyone in the market <laughs> <laughs> yeah with my other hat on in uh, my, my core role obviously yeah uh, it, it's certainly um sort of on the sales front so yeah we'd be very happy but very much though so from a tech perspective it's it's the core to being able to do this virtually, it, you know, to have that that landing page. And because also we, we know that students sort of learn at different stages. Some people, they can come on a Zoom, they can hear some updates and go, yeah, got it and move on. Others need to just go back, read a document and that document makes them feel like they understand. So we're trying to also make sure that we, we cater to all those different learning needs as part of this as well. Yeah, I think that, that's a really interesting one. Um, I, think I especially like where you say you, you do a handover, so it's a 13-month interview as you pitch it. Uh, so the, the, the previous place for students pass on to the others. And, and that's something actually I thought always happened across all companies, because that's something that I did on my placement, that you had the handover period for a month, and that was actually one of the, the best months of your whole placement, because you've almost got double students uh, around to speak to and learn from. And um, I think we, we all found that so valuable. Um, and a bit like contrary to that, I spoke to um, in fact, another software company, Prospectsoft, uh, who are based uh, just outside Oxford. Uh, and they actively don't do that um, because they don't want 
uh, all, or maybe all the bad habits to be passed down. Right. So they make, make sure that um, the previous placement students, obviously they, they get to meet and say hello, but there's only really a, a one-week handover at, at most for those. That's interesting. Um, and so all the new students get onboarded fully through their prospects of processes. So it's, it's the business that is teaching them, educating them, and upskilling them because huh. they want it done to a certain standard that they – they want. They don't want all like I say the bad habits to be to be passed on or almost shortcuts. Because we've experienced both of those things in our business. So we've had it where sometimes there's not when we have places just often an overlap. And um, some years it's been really great and really allow people to hit the ground running. Mm. And then, like you said, also some years it's not been so great. <laughs> you've basically had to unte- un- learn and teach them things that they were doing because they learned a bad habit from somebody else yeah <laughs> yeah do you know what's super interesting I, I definitely think there's probably pockets of that for, for us as an organization as well um I guess well and again this is why the steering committee was almost born in some respects because what we found actually over the years is that the interns ran the intern program which is great from some respects you know because it gives them a great sort of autonomy and those sorts of things but there are some core Bits, that this is how SAP want things to be done. This is how our processes work. So we're able to add that flavour on. So um, as part of it, uh, I we we create handover packs as well. So what we um, ask the, each student to do is create this handover pack and have managers sign off on it to make sure that the things that they're handing over. And again, we've always done that, but for the virtual environment, we've really really focused on it that we will actually have that sign off process. Because it allows them to say, that's the stuff. Equally, what you tend to find with a placement student, we find, is there'll be a core role that you do. Mm-hmm. But then there's other things you're just like really passionate about and you get involved in and you learn during your time. They're the things that you won't hand over. And it's being able for them to, you know, for example, have individuals that might be really into our green uh, team programs all around sustainability because they've got a core role in marketing or legal for example but that's their sort of additional interest they wouldn't hand that over to their next intern because they might not have a personal interest in that so it's almost core role in your other areas um, and then for example we've just launched a sales foundation as part of our program which provides the additional learning um, and kind of all of our sales teams, you know, they're successful salespeople. They would have got there through education maybe earlier in their career. So we've added that on this year as a we sort of tested it recently and we'll launch it into the next program, which gives okay. them baselines of account profiling, negotiation skills, all of those things. Now they will turn all of like sales operational aspects and updating CRM systems and all of these things that are all part of the story. Also, how they can do storytelling with our customers. So that again helps us with that transition and that handover to make sure they all have that consistent experience. Yeah. Um, I think in the last, again, probably really working with rate by placement, we've really focused on experience. So the last two years, it's all been about student and employee experience and that, that will continue to be our theme but I think going into next year as well in this virtual environment it'll be the experience but also teaching them how to self-serve and, and how to go and find opportunities and how to 
to make things your own. I think in the past, we've probably been a little bit guilty of trying to sort of say, hey, everything's here for you and everything, every opportunity is available. That probably doesn't give them the right setup for knowing what business is going to be like. So it's almost a case of here are all the opportunities on these collaboration sites and, but, you know, lead the horse to water almost and give them that want it the that opportunity because everyone's yeah. got reasons why they go on placement mm-hmm. we have a lot of students where we have mechanical engineering students that want to come and get that business experience but they might not want specifically to go into tech but they want um they might even be entrepreneurs and wanting to start their own business now i even had an intern that's gone into comedy but they wanted into comedy to- really yeah <laughs> someone um, famous someone we know I think he will, but the placement allowed him to know actually business area wasn't where he wanted to go. He wanted to follow his passion. And I still think that is the most successful placement you could have. If you can teach that to someone and they don't then start a graduate role that, that they hate, then we've done a great job. Um, again, yeah, yeah. he's the intern that onboarded me when I joined SAP. So. Yeah, right. That's, that's, yeah, that's how, how I am. People talk about, um, when you talk about retention rates of interns coming back, now, having 100% isn't always right because you're never going to get everyone knowing exactly that business is for them. So a lot of companies do try and keep it around the sort of the best companies around 70, 80% because uh, it's much more of a streamlined graduate program. But other companies are really happy with it just being 50% because you know at right. one in every two students is probably going to find out that that role isn't for them or that company isn't for them or that location isn't for them, but it really works for the others. So I think if we look at retention for SAP as well, we look at retention in a wider ecosystem. So what we see as successful retention is actually uh, people, so SAP have a really large partner ecosystem. So we partner with PwC and Accenture and Capgemini and some um, specific consulting firms as well that actually implement SAP. So we actually find a lot of our interns will then go and get jobs within those partners. So again, we feel like that's a massive give back to our partners that we've almost had them for 13 months. Equally, some of them even go into our customers. So they've wow. got that SAP knowledge and go there. So for each of those, it's a real retention. And of course, some of them will go to our competitors. As, um, and some, you know, some students probably don't necessarily meet exactly what SAP wants in, in a student either. So again, that sort of 13 month is for both parties to know actually where where could we see their careers going but we see lots of people going to our partners uh, and again it's really nice to watch watch that happen and see them start their careers what do you think people will lose out on this year there must be some things that won't be the same there's some advantages right so there's some things that you're going to be doing that you're going to continue to do that have added value but it's probably going to be some parts of the student experience that maybe um won't be as as good as they uh, were. which things do you think they might be I think there's almost two uh, the, the social element but I've been thinking about this and thinking there's probably two aspects to it so I think they what I love is that they create their own little community as well little groups they often live together and those sorts of things and so um, they you can tell for some of them they create lifelong friends as part of it and I think that will still happen but it might take longer to build those relationships in the first parts of it being virtual but again when they come into the office we back into the offices I think it will then just be like wow you know I get to finally meet that person um 
equally, so I do think I'll miss out on that. But I also think it can be quite challenging when you first start your placement because we know that really in the first couple of weeks, we can teach them anything about SAP, but actually they're trying to figure out who's who, all of those social dynamics that then come into the workplace. And that creates quite a lot of pressure for some people. Um, You've got the really extroverted individuals versus the introverted and all of these sorts of dynamics going on. So actually, whilst they'll miss out on some bits, I think for some individuals, this will be giving them the time to learn the business, learn their role, feel comfortable do the transition, and then meeting everyone in in the future will be so much easier. So I think depending on the individual, it could actually still be a benefit. Right, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, a lot of it's going to be, I think, self, self-learning, self isn't it? You were mentioning just a second ago about, you know, creating all this content uh, for everyone to, to look at and look at in their own time. And actually what, what this whole situation has, has helped is almost driving that bit forward. So we're giving students the resources uh, and pointing them in the right direction so they've actually got loads of different um, resources whether it's articles videos people to speak to there's there's quite a lot of information that they probably wouldn't have been before because they're having to to self-learn almost self-motivate themselves to upskill them and it's forced uh, to do um, to to almost fast forward that process which uh, I think is going to be a common thread across a lot of companies Um, from the student side how how are they? You mentioned it's really important to meet each other, but it's obviously harder to. So what, what exactly are you doing to help them? You, you mentioned this uh, onboarding before, so you're having two weekly accelerator calls. Is there anything you're doing within those that is helping them almost feel they are one team or one unit, uh, one cohort coming together? But how have you managed that process? Because it must be quite difficult with them all being you know, on a screen in their own bedrooms, not, not feeling that as they would previously. Yeah, um, and again, we've been sort of really conscious about it, and it's um, it's one of those things that it's you know which which bits do do SAP need to sort of cover on that, and then there's just some of those kind of human aspects to it. So we were really conscious when we did the first call, which was just a kind of hey, this is the update. That was very much what I describe as a push webinar. So they got to see the steering committee and some of our interns that were on the onboarding team, um, but they were just sort of as you've probably experienced some of those webinars where you're just then consuming. So mm-hmm. that the, then the next one would be, hey, all everyone on video, you know, do the wave, just so people could start to relate. Um, we've also created a group WhatsApp chat that allows people, again, if they want to connect on things like accommodation, because some people will move regardless of being at home. They might be an international student or their circumstances mean they'd like to live close to our offices ready for when they're able to get back in mm-hmm. uh, so it's it starts that bit and we then know that they'll probably um connect on uh, various social platforms or get into uh, naturally into their own little groups as part of that so we've created that uh, mechanism and again that collaboration hub i mentioned where they get to see the recordings those sorts of things there's also um a chat and forum aspect of that so you could say hey i you know I want to talk about this. I'm thinking of moving to Clapham or something like that. Does anyone else have any ideas? And likewise, um, to get to know them in those first couple of weeks, uh, SAP, uh, a lot of our sort of, um, I guess, kind of our strap lines and our, our focus is, uh, you know, we make companies the best run. So we talk about how uh, we make organisations run and what makes individuals run. 
So as part of their onboarding, they've each had to um, share just a, just a one slide um, with a couple of photos that best describes what makes them run, what makes them tick. Um, just for us to get to know people, because again, mm. you know, your university or your degree or where you're from, you know, that none of that tells you about the individual at all. But when they say, actually, you know, th- this is the thing that I'm really into in my personal life, we get a richer view of that individual and we can then connect. Um, That's something I've noticed on, um, you know, over this period where you're doing so many video chats with people. Normally you meet them in an office setting, but when you see them on a video chat, I've ended up having lots of really interesting conversations with people based on what's in the background, you know, stuff that, you know, a guitar or something. Oh, you play the guitar, blah, 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 these sorts of things. And it's really interesting yeah. because it's hard to know where to start a conversation with someone in terms of like all the things someone's interested in. And I think it, yeah, people doing show and tell, you, you had that, we've had a few, few of that, you know, go find something in your, in your house that you're proud of oh, right. and come and talk about it to someone. Um, we've had a bit of that going on, which is quite interesting. Like you say, cause you learn something about, other people that you'd never have thought of before. Yeah. Um, they're best done, I think, in smaller groups uh, <laughs> who are like interested in that rather than bigger ones. But I think that's been a really, really great part. You've really connected with um, people in the team a lot, a lot more. I guess a lot more deeply, really, because you just understand them and like say what makes them tick a lot more. Yeah, it's nice. I think it changes your perceptions. It's just natural, you know. Ultimately, if someone comes on a video call and they've got a cat in the background that they are immediately cool in my eyes. They, they can't do anything wrong, right? <laughs> and it, it's genuine. I'm like, oh, they've got a cat. Oh, that thing they did to me last week, that's cool. They're, they're fine. And it's those sorts of things. And, and it's interesting you said there, Ollie, about the smaller groups. So one of the things we've been conscious of in the past, if we're in the office, it's really easy to tell. You do a floor walk, you're just out and about. You see if someone's uh, maybe struggling. Not always, but you might see... Hey, they, you know, they don't seem to be necessarily with all of the others, or they seem a bit stressed, or, or whatever it might be. We know we can't necessarily detect all of that in the virtual environment. So, um, with the sixty that are coming on board, we've split those. We're going to split those into five teams as well, so that when we do some smaller stuff, so talking about, you know, what makes you run in a twelve people, suddenly it's a little bit more less daunting so each member of the steering committee will actually have one of those individuals uh, those 12 individuals for the whole time they're on placement so we'll be able to have check-ins see the talk about some of their successes because again we find some of the more introverted individuals you don't know what an awesome job they're doing because they're just doing it and they might work in a team that are equally introverted so you just don't know that this person's just changed a massive process and saved the business money and all of these types of things so um, we hope that they then, and the way we've set those teams are they're people that they won't normally interface with because we know they'll naturally build bonds if they're all in sales or if they're all in marketing or whatever. So we've chosen to move the teams around so that we can connect and equally the ones that okay. won't be in my group. And we've, um, again, we're trying to think what, what would that look like in terms of five teams? How would we name them? And it can kind of get out of hand as to how you'd name them. So we've actually looked at SAP's core five values because it was just handy five teams and our values are five. But it's just allowed us to then make it a bit more personal to get to know the full steering committee, great opportunities for the early talents to build their network with them as well. Right. Well, um, so let's just do a bit of a summary before we come to you for your... I guess your key learnings 
that you've you've learned having gone through this process and any recommendations that you'd have for for those listening that might be going through this at the moment as well or potentially later on uh, this year so what, what i think what makes uh, sap really unique is your, your your steering committee that you mentioned so having five people all from different areas of the business coming together having different skill sets and different backgrounds to help uh, run this scheme of 60 uh, 60 placement students um, creating a range of content uh, that's going to help people people self-learn uh, really ramping that up and or sharing that with the rest of the business has been really valuable because you're you're getting insights from those that have been successful uh, in various teams and teeing the students up to give them those resources that they probably wouldn't have had in as much detail otherwise if we hadn't have gone through this situation. There's been plenty of learnings around the, like you say, the tech, trying to work out how to distribute laptops to different addresses, um, uh, the logistics of trying to get uh, forms, the passports being verified, different people outside the UK together. This is lots of different things to consider there, which I think everyone would, would come across. But uh, what I think really works well is the, the, the care that you, you show them in that not only you've got this kickoff call before the, the, the actual scheme even starts, but you've also got additional calls with different themes uh, to help them all learn um, who each other are on the cohort, more about SAP. So on day one, when they first arrive, they almost feel like that they're already part of the business. It, mm. This doesn't start on day one. It's, it started a month, two months before that because you're really teeing it up. And actually what this whole COVID situation has, has almost encouraged is that more of that care, more of that process to help the support um, because it can be done virtually that way um, beforehand. I think my favourite bit was also as well that it's now been spread over a longer period of time, which makes it just, you know, kind of like bite-sized chunks makes it much easier, I guess, for you to process it. Because sometimes when you join any new organisation or anything new, you're basically bombarded with loads of information. It's really hard to Ooh. absorb it all because it's just too much. So if you spread it out, I think it's just it's just much more manageable. And I, I just really like that bit, not just because it's virtual. I just think it's a general piece. I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, sounds good. So, so go on, Lindsay. What, what are your the key things you've learned from this or maybe things you didn't think you were going to learn that you have done? And, and what would you recommend to, to others listening in terms of uh, what they could do differently in their businesses? Um, I guess what I've learned uh, as part of it, and I guess um, to the point there around spreading it out, because we'd already had that sort of feedback from our students, like, got those first couple of weeks really, really intense. So we'd always had it in the back of our mind. And again, you know, for some of the plans for when they join, we've sort of broken it down as well. Um, and also so that the rest of the 13 months that there's continual content, you don't have to tell them everything month one. They probably need to learn some stuff and then have subsequent learning afterwards. So I think the things that I learned as part of it, um, I would say being able to trust the people around you to, to make stuff happen. So for this to be able to happen, I mean, it, there's no way that we could have done it as individuals. Um, mm. Having that committee, I'm, you know, they'll, I'm sure if they tune into this, they, they will laugh. But, I, you know, I'm a pretty intense character. I, I like things done in a certain way and that sort of thing. And actually, I knew that this year in particular, I'd need to be able to let stuff happen. And actually, when you've got a group of people around you that have the same mindset, you can just trust that to happen. Um, and don't get me wrong, young calls, you're a bit nervous, thinking, oh, have they, have they made it how we want it to be? But they really have. So I'd almost say 
I've learned quite a bit about the importance of, of letting go a bit. Mm-hmm. But likewise, it's um, in terms of recommendation, you know, just let the stuff happen. You know, if, if we'd planned for this, you could have spent months and months going, wow, well, have we done this or have we done that? Mm. But actually go with it because the best things tend to happen when you're under pressure to make it happen and you're not worrying about all of the nuances and, oh, have we done this and that? You just make it happen. And, and that's what's been good. Um, so I've learned that that is a, is a core bit. Um, but also learning that change of it's not just at all about the employee experience it's about making sure they've got that resilience to to deal with something like this so we've always thought about pastoral care and how we support them through the transition actually are we definitely setting them up that resilience and so I'd say that's that's been a, a big part is your program and the things you're putting on really getting them ready for work or is it giving them a bit of a bubble experience that will then make it a, a, sh- a shock when they're going to graduate role i think recommendations wise like if, if people have paused their thoughts on this or are delaying and those sorts of things yes maybe you need to re- think as a business or there might be budget constraints and all of those other things but if you are in a position to do it i would say go go for it and it, you know the students are so overwhelmed that we've been able to to do something so their expectations have changed anyway so you can you can manage that communication with them to saying something is better than nothing, um, and being able to to do something like this will will make such a difference to those individuals. So if they can do it, that'd be my main recommendation. Like do it, and don't be too hard on yourselves. Don't have really like oh we've got to make it all perfect. Make it good, and then the rest will just naturally make it perfect. In in my mind. Great. Great. And one final question, Lindsay, of course. If is there anything that we haven't asked you yet that we should have asked you? Um I don't think so. No, it's a it's a, it's an interesting no, I don't think so. I think today hopefully it's got across, you know, just the, the, the passion that SAP have for this. Um and, and it's and this isn't just about the steering committee um and, and how we feel about it. If you think all of those hiring managers and the rest of the business, they really get why early talent and young talent is important to a business and not because it's the right thing to do or anything like that. They transform stuff we do in the business. So all the way up our whole leadership chain at SAP, they get this. Um, I don't know if you know, but we've got a a relatively new CEO. Um, He actually started through uh, an early talent and internship program in Germany and is now of SAP. So I think it's just part of how SAP operate. It's not a case of, oh, we probably should do some stuff around young talent. We actually kind of do it. It's part part of the SAP DNA, really. Yeah, that's that's a great way to to, to end, really, just that you're, it comes across how how passionate and enthusiastic you are, certainly for your role in bringing young talent into the business. Uh, It's no surprise that SAP um, has done such a good job of it over the last few years, because it's so ingrained in the, the entire business that that's how you resource the business. That's how much we value students coming in and they are the future leaders. Uh, and I think with that as the, the overarching mindset, it's no wonder you, you very quickly said, we're definitely going to bring them on board. It's just about how we go about doing it. So uh, thank you so much for all your thoughts, uh, recommendations and experiences today. Uh, it's been great chatting to you about it all. Um, so yeah, thank you very, very much. Yeah, thanks very much, Lindsay. 
You're very welcome. And, and also, kind of thank you back to you guys, and particularly Ollie, in terms of you've taught us so much as you know, as we've engaged on the Rate My Placement stuff and you've opened networks to us around the ISE, it's made a huge difference for us to understand, are we in line with others, how they do it? You know, are we in the right direction? And, and that's really helped shape stuff for us as well. So, uh, and thanks for the opportunity. I've always kind of wanted to be on your podcast. So it's been, it's been <laughs> oh, wonderful. Thank you. Made, made dreams come true, Jack. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, thank you very much, Lindsay. Enjoy the rest of your day. So it'll be goodbye from Ollie. And goodbye from Jack. Uh, That's been the Early Careers Podcast. We will see you next time. Bye-bye. For all things early career recruitment, the strategies to help you succeed will help you work with Generation Z with all the information that you'll need. It's the Jack and Ollie Show.